Welcome back, everybody, to the Vancouver Boys podcast. I'm joined here with my co-hosts, Marcus Keller. How's it going, everybody? And Jake Jude. What's going on? What's going on? We have a lot to dive into today. We uh, missed a little bit last week with our Canada Day <laughs> celebrations, but Sorry, that was everyone. fun. <laughs> We're going to pile on the content today, and it's going to be a fun one. I yeah, hope everyone enjoyed the uh, amalgamation that was last week's episode. But <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, this one this one will be a little more uh, covered with recent events. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess before getting started, we better jump into that fake sponsor there, Marcus. Yeah, I guess we should. Um, so, uh, just a reminder to all our listeners out there that our fake sponsor is a placeholder for a real sponsor, which we think we will eventually be able to get. If you are looking to reach out to us for sponsorship opportunities, or you just want to say hi, always feel free to reach out at vancouverboyshockey at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Instagram at vancouverboyspodcast and on TikTok under the same handle. Today's episode of the Vancouver Boys Podcast is brought to you by Black & Decker Sanders. With half the power of the average vibrator, our Sanders come with a suicide prevention hotline number instead of operating instructions. Trust us, you'll need it. Black & Decker tools for men with zero (laughs) self-respect. Holy shit. Wow. Oh my god. Wow. Jesus. Oh my goodness. Uh, no, no, no. Wow. We, we've got some explaining to do. Um, we are in a brand new studio and working at a brand new desk that we hand built, stained and crafted. Um, however, in the process of doing that, we had the misfortune of being at the disposal of a Black & Decker Sander. This is single-handedly the worst experience I've ever had with an electric tool <laughs> in my tool. life. Black and De- I always joke that uh, to our, our real sponsors that we will not slander you, and to our fake sponsors that you can always pay us to stop slandering you. Black and Decker, there is not enough money in the world. <laughs> it's just never going to happen. We're a startup podcast, and we're above you, okay? <laughs> okay, easy there. <laughs> there's, there's no coming back from this one. <laughs> no, it's Milwaukee or nothing. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Dude, that Put the Milwaukee wow. logo up on the back. <laughs> With half <laughs> the power good. of a vibrator. <laughs> mm, less than half the power. <laughs> right, my bad. Oh, boys. Well done, well done. All right, I'm glad I got that off my chest. <laughs> <laughs> But to be perfectly honest with you, uh, the feeling is somewhat mutual because <laughs> <laughs> those power tools were weak. That was terrible. Yeah. That was a terrible experience. Moving on to yeah. sports. Yeah. <laughs> well, with the Canucks being out, I didn't think there would be a whole lot to talk about. But clearly... You'd think, right? <laughs> yeah. Clearly, Benning had other plans. <sighs> I'm sure Marcus wants to jump into this, but uh, how do you feel about... OEL or Duncan Keith maybe uh, joining the Vancouver Canucks. Well, <laughs> God. Luckily, the Duncan Keith rumors have been put to rest. It seems like he's definitely going to either Seattle or Edmonton. Those are the only two that have really inquired about him. Um, OEL is a different story. So for those of you unaware of the rumor, it sounds like the Vancouver Canucks are looking at unloading Nate Schmidt, who's already said that he wants out of the organization to clear cap space for Oliver ekman Larson. Now, at first glance, you might think, okay, you know, an overpaid aging defenseman for another overpaid aging defenseman. Not so bad, right? You need to look at Oliver ekman Larson's contract if you think it's not that bad. He makes double what Schmidt does and for longer. J- Jim, listen to me. If you're out there, don't do it. I already know that you have zero control over anything that goes on in this organization. I get it. I get it. The Aquilinis tell you what to do. But you listen to me. You, mm, God, I I cannot stand this organization, man. (laughs) We are already in cap trouble. We are already in cap trouble. I think you need to keep this in mind. The reality of him making a trade like this is still pretty low. 
Because well, it better be. Because I, th- I think he knows the fact that OEL is a diminishing asset. You you'd think that, right? You think that, <laughs> but not one year ago, we offered a huge package for him, and the only reason we didn't go through with it is because they wanted Demco, and thankfully. Benning was able to gather enough brain cells together on that phone call to say, no, you cannot have our superstar young goalie in exchange for your washed up old defenseman. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. Last year, Jim Benning got this crazy obsession with getting Oliver Ekman Larson. So much so that indirectly we lost to Foley, Stetcher, Markstrom, Tanev, and a plethora of other players because he was so focused on saving enough cap that we could sign Oliver Ekman Larson. Why he thought that OEL was more important than all of those players, I could not tell you. But uh, what I do know is the Vancouver Canucks offered a huge package, and for some reason, Arizona didn't take it and wanted more. Um, Luckily, Jim Benning was able to gather enough brain cells to not make that trade, and the only thing standing in its way seemed like Demko. Arizona wanted Demko and uh, Benning wouldn't let him go. Smart move. So why am I hearing now that we're going after him again? Uh, I, I, I don't like it. It scares me. He's well past his prime. He costs too much money. We can barely afford the players we already have and have to re-sign. I, I, I want nothing to do with him. I, I hope that this turns out to just be a rumor and, and that there's nothing to come of it. Man, I hope we... Trade for him. We get rid of <laughs> get rid of all get rid of all of our forwards. Trade for him. Sign Keith. Keep Schmidt. That's our first line right there. OEL centering Schmidt and Duncan Keith. Bring oh. Pronger out of retirement. Just get yeah. all the oldies. Back. Exactly. Ed Jovanovski. Ed Jovanovski. Well, Burroughs is coming out of coaching yeah, to play defense because <laughs> they're all playing forward. Honestly, yeah. like this team is just crazy with their veteran leadership. Boys, you know? we don't we don't have enough money to sign our two players that we need to sign this <laughs> <Yeah>. year. <laughs> Let's bring in OEL. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what his obsession with veteran leadership is. He just, I mean, he, he's obsessed with bringing in old players. It doesn't make any sense. Well, he, here's my thing. He's right? got players in the minors he can bring up. Like I, I understood it before, right? Like when we were an awful hockey team, when Besser was a rookie, Pedersen was a rookie. All, all these guys were just coming in. I get it. You have to have some veteran leadership in the room, but these guys aren't rookies anymore. They know what they're doing. They've been through the league in the craziest of circumstances. They've been there. We don't need any more. And I get it. They're, they're trying to get rid of Nate Schmidt, too, who's asked for out of the organization. But the only way I can see a trade like that happening is if Arizona also takes on, like, Roussel and or Beagle and or Erickson and or... I think, no, I think it's it's got to be cap retention, right? The, the trade basically can't get done unless there's some level of cap retention. See, I think I think OEL has the potential to be a top-notch defenseman on a very good team. What? But still? Yeah. You think he's I, still, I still, still a top think, two D I man. still think he has that potential. I could not disagree more. I'm glad. You know what? Okay, but he he always has been a pretty good defenseman, so like, who knows? You know, maybe he could, you know... Like uh, he's passing the puck to Phil Kessel right now. <laughs> yeah, the hot dog man. Like that's a good point. But I guess the argument, though, is that he's not the best defenseman on his team. Well, you know? I mean, Chikrin's unreal, but I think yeah. OEL's right up there. He, he's not leading them in point getting anymore. He's not actually that great defensively anymore. I, he's not even close to worth his contract. Maybe. So un- unless we are shedding major cap in return for him, uh, I'm not taking that trade. I want nothing to do with it. Okay, fair. But do you think do you think having Schmidt on the team or off the team is going to benefit the Canucks more? Depends on if the return is Oliver Ekman Larson. No, Does just in, in general. In, in general. general, if I could say right now we either lose him for free or we get him back next year, I would say lose him for free. If those are the two options. The options are lose Ekman or sorry, lose Schmidt and get back nothing or keep Schmidt. Yes. That's yeah, a that, horrible trade. I'm going to trade him for nothing. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like if he was a fr- with the contract he has, that's what it's worth. It would be different if we were talking about a free agency 
situation because then you can re-sign him on a more reasonable contract that makes more sense with his skill level. This is why I've said before, I'm okay with Sutter coming back. I'm okay with Edler coming back because they're not going to be on these atrocious contracts anymore. You'd think. You'd think. But <laughs> six man, by six this for team Edler. will just never let me think <laughs> that they'll do a logical thing. So, but that's my point. I'm okay with players coming back on reasonable contracts, but Nate Schmidt's contract is becoming more of a burden than anything else. So if the option was we could cut ties with him right now for free and lose nothing other than him and his contract, I would say do it. But not if the return is getting someone with an even worse contract. <laughs> All right. You know what time it is, Marcus? Because I think I know what time it is. It's 6.50 p.m. Well, I think that means it's time for the goof of the week. Oh, yeah. Damn it, that was the wrong button. <laughs> yes! <laughs> you have to leave that in. Uh, fuck. It is purple. Damn it, it's the wrong button. Sorry, everyone. That is why Jake is not in charge of that. Hold on. What a goof! <laughs> That's what I meant to hit. But it's your episode, so you get to press the button. Press the button. Hell yeah, my button. What a goof! <laughs> All right, welcome to my segment, the Biggest Goof of the Week. For those of you uh, where this is your first episode of the podcast, every week I comb through uh, professional sport and I try to find the uh, professional player or coach or manager or sports-related story that someone just made a complete fool of themselves. And, a complete um, one of themselves? A complete what of themselves? <laughs> a complete... What did I say? Fool. fool. Oh. This is not the fool of the week. <laughs> it is the goof. All right. Of the week. They goofed up. <laughs> the biggest goof of the week. And uh, this week, you know, I'm, I'm pretty self-aware. I'm able to uh, to take my medicine. This big, this week's biggest goof of the week is David Poyle, the general manager of the Nashville Predators, for trading a first-line winger on an amazing contract for Lunchables and a fruit roll-up. So the trade was a 2021 second round pick and a 2022 third round pick for Victor Ardvidsson. Oh, it wasn't who, even a second. Need, need I remind you, has three seasons left? Three at 4.25 per year. That's a Tyra Foley contract right there. That is a, an amazing contract. I am, words can't describe how disappointed I am. Uh, this is a rare L for David Poyle, in my opinion. Usually he's pretty good on the trade market, and I'm assuming that this means that there's more to come from him. He's been very vocal in, in his plans to shake up the team in the offseason. But Victor Arvidsson, I mean, the guy loved being in Nashville. He was on a great contract. He was a big impact player for the team. He was on the first line. You know, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm stunned. I could have seen almost 60 70% of that team getting traded before Arvidsson. Yeah, right. I I would have never pictured Arvidsson to get traded. Maybe Johansson or I could Shane or anyone like that. But Arvidsson, he was like he was one of your staple guys that was showing up night in and night out. Yeah. So yeah, he uh, he had some me too. he had some injury trouble this year, but before that he was a, you know pretty iron player. Like I could have even seen as as crazy as it was I could have seen Ekholm getting traded out before him. I'm just so shocked that Ekholm's gone. When stuff or sorry like, that Arvidsson's gone. When stuff like that happens, did it ever make you wonder, like, is there something we don't know? Like, whether it be something that happened in the locker room, whether it be, like you said, he had injury problems, maybe it's something that they have a strong feeling is going to be recurring. Because, like you said, to trade for a player of that size and only receive a couple draft picks, one even for next year in return. Yeah, third rounder. Yeah, that's uh, that's very surprising. And it, and it does. It makes me wonder if there's something... Well, with a good GM, which is which is what Nashville has. They have a good, solid GM that built a good, solid team. Mm-hmm. You know, with Benning, you'd go, yeah, that makes sense. That's a trade Benning would make. Uh, but, yeah, not not in this case. Th- this makes me this makes me feel like there might be more to the story that that we just haven't heard yet. And I mean, it is Nashville, which is a underreported on team. So it's yeah. very likely that something could have happened that we just don't know about. You're right. It could have, but I'd be, I'd be stunned, even more stunned than the trade itself. If this guy had issues with the team, he just, he came across as such a passionate player who loved the team. I mean, well, it can, it can this be guy was a that. huge part of their cup run in 2017. He, I mean, he was a fourth round pick that's playing on their first line. 
You know, that doesn't happen all the time. So Burroughs was undrafted. Um, you know what? You can compare him to Burroughs. You know, the guys that you would never expect to uh, contribute as much as they did, and he did. Yeah. So I'm I'm just, yeah. But it, it could be something other than locker room, too. Like like you said, with the injury troubles, it could be if they think that that injury could be recurring or if it could plague him in the rest of his career, that would bring his value down. And that might be something that only the GMs and really the medical trainers would even know about. Right, well, I, you, I pray that isn't the case because he's a great guy, and I wouldn't, I would, I wouldn't wish that on him at all. Yeah, no, no, of course not. But you know that that's those kinds of things that players really don't, they don't get too vocal about their injuries for obvious reasons. They don't want to get targeted where they're injured. So uh, yeah, I that I, I'm trying to make sense of it, right? And that's the only thing I can come up with. Yeah, maybe he was going after Yossi's wife. I don't know. Oh maybe maybe on, it was man. Yossi's call. He's Anyone. Like, hey, this, get out of here. This isn't Kessler and Schneider. This isn't. Hey, you never know. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Until you know. <laughs> Great goof, by the way. Appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> and by the way, if Benning makes a trade for OEL. Oh, my God. <laughs> he mm. will be. He he I promise you, he will yeah. be the goof. You can get a plaque. Forever yeah. goof of the week. <laughs> forever goof. <laughs> <laughs> Permanent goof. Forever a goof. <laughs> <laughs> Jumping back into Schmidt just for a second here. Yeah, for sure. What do you think his value is? What do you think he's he's actually worth? Before he said he wanted to trade or after? Yeah. <laughs> after. <laughs> after. Yeah. Uh, after, I mean, here's the thing. I, I should clarify this too. I said earlier that he's on an awful contract. He's not on an awful contract. It's just one that this team cannot afford right now. Uh, a lot of teams, I think, would be happy to get a guy like him. But again, we all know that when a, a player asks for a trade, their value inherently goes down. I think if the Canucks received a fourth round pick for him or something of that caliber, that would make sense to me. Because I think we, we traded a second for him, if I'm not mistaken. It was a third in uh, next year's draft. A third. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so if we traded him, because he's only one year later, uh, if we traded him for a fourth, that would make sense. Yeah, because I think he has four years left on his contract, too. Yeah. He I makes about I, five mil per year. I just, I think he's worth more than we think. Like, I think Vegas was trying to dump him when they, well, they accepted he, they were. It, yeah. it was a cap dump. That's exactly, exactly what yeah. it was. They, but, and, they needed room for uh, Petrangelo. Yeah, exactly. But I think he's worth more than that. Yeah, like, I, I say we strive for a second. I, I mean, I don't know. Well, he's not I, worth more now than he was last year, especially now that he's actually asked for a trade, Yeah. right? OEL, one for one. <clears throat> oh, my, I, I don't even want to get into it. I'm going to have an aneurysm. Um, Honestly, if if the Phoenix, or sorry, if the Arizona Coyotes retained the salary on OEL up to the amount that they're paying Schmidt, which would be a couple million, which is a lot to retain. Yeah. But if they did, I think that'd be a fair trade. Well, that, see, that's, that's a different like situation. A my biggest problem with that trade is not Oliver Ekman Larson himself. It's how much money he's owed. We don't have that kind of money. And that's why I said, if they either, if they also take back uh, a Louis Erickson or a Jay Beagle or something to that effect, you know, that's, that's something. But even then his contract goes for, I think another th four years or something like that. Like it's a long time. And most of our big cap money gets solved next year anyway. So I, uh, I don't know. I, I just, I just don't like the idea of it. Who is your favorite player? That would be available at the nine spot in the draft. Marcus, he's not going to be available at Luke the nine Hughes spot. Might no, be available. He will not. It might yeah. happen. He could slip. We could trade up. We yeah. could do a lot of things. I mean, Marcus thinks that Jack Hughes is going to be available. Oh God. <laughs> hey, <laughs> this, this, I got his name wrong one time. Okay? <laughs> this question specifically says at the ninth spot, which there's no shot yeah. Luke Hughes is available at nine. Yeah. Okay. We, we, we've talked about this. A lot on the podcast, so we'll keep it pretty short. Atu Rati. <coughs> Tyler and I both would love to see Atu Rati come to the Canucks at nine, and Marcus is still in his delusion with Luke Hughes at nine. If I were to step outside, you know, if on some crazy delusional parallel universe, he's not available, um, I would honestly love to see Kent Johnson suit up in a Canucks uniform. I believe he's, I know he's local. I believe it's Port Moody. Um, Jake, is that local enough? Yeah, that's fine. How's the okay. elevation? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how close to sea level is his house? Port Moody? Pretty <laughs> no, damn no, no, close. No, 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 his house. Okay. His house. 
Well, if, if he's from Port Moody, then pretty close because the ocean is in Port Moody. Good. So <laughs> as long as he's not on the local, hill. as long yeah. as he's not living in an apartment high rise. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Anyway, uh, skyscraper. Like you're not local. Yeah. Anything higher than the twentieth floor. <laughs> I, I'd love to see a local kid because uh, we lost Stetcher last year. It looks like if Jake Vertanen's contract doesn't just get nullified anyway, he might even get bought out this summer. So. Um, It'd be nice to see a local kid on the team. I'd like it. And he's projected to go around there anyway, so why not take the chance on him? Let's just trade for a local boy, Carey Price. Schmidt for Price. One. <laughs> and they have to retain half of Price's salary. Yeah, right. What does Price make again? Like 10, 12, 5, 5 yeah, I thought yeah, it was something like that. that. It's a lot. And it's also like for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> he's got that DiPietro contract. Yeah. Well, I think he's paid till he's like 38 or 39. He has a long time. But he might, like, he might be yeah, worth that. I don't that. know if anyone watched him this year. Yeah. He might be worth that yeah. much money. By the time he's 39. <laughs> I love this question. Okay. Who is your least favorite team? Oh, boy. I love that question, too. Um, the Nashville Predators. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, no. we're all going to joke and chirp each other's teams, but yeah. the truth is probably, well, Marcus, why don't you go first? Uh, <laughs> the... Toronto Maple Leafs. I, I think, cannot stand them. I don't think anyone has anything bad to say about my team, but we'll see. Tarasenko <laughs> might have a couple words. Yeah, Tarasenko. <laughs> <maybe. laughs> One of your franchise players might have a few uh, things. Face of the franchise the last decade. <laughs> <laughs> we never even got into that. Well, we, we can. Oh, we, we've got time. Oh, yeah, we will um, for sure. Anyway, Toronto Maple Leafs, least favorite team, awful organization, hate all of them. <laughs> Except for John Tavares, actually. I kind of feel bad for that guy. With the concussion, not all the stuff. Right. Oh, right. I okay. I was like, before. I just can't hate him yeah. right now. Um, for me, it is the Winnipeg Jets. <laughs> um, they freaking beat the Preds all the time. It drives me crazy. I don't think they're a good team, but somehow they beat the Preds and they make them look worse than they are. Uh, also, I think Hellebuck's overrated. I think that the whole team's overrated. I think, think the Patrick- an underrated goalie. Can I think of an underrated goalie? An underrated or even undersized goalie? I was going to say I could think of an undersized goalie. God's sake. <laughs> Let me continue reap, ripping on the Winnipeg Jets, all right? You guys can chirp UC Saros all you want once I'm done. <laughs> the Winnipeg Jets are completely overrated. Their decor is trash. Their forwards are overpaid and underperform. Their goalie is overrated. I can't believe he won a Vesna. The coach is... Actually, Paul Maurice is probably the only part of that team that I don't absolutely hate. I think he's really funny. and He's personable. I think the team really likes him as a head coach, and I wouldn't mind him coaching my team. I think that the GM makes terrible moves. I think it's a terrible city that no one wants to play in. I cannot stand the Winnipeg Jets. I could sit here and rant for an hour, but I won't because we have more important things to get to. Tyler, take it away. We're going to have to edit all of that out. <laughs> um, I can confirm about the city. I was just there. <laughs> literally the closest thing to a frozen hellscape on planet earth it's not somewhere you really want to be um my least favorite team i'm pretty sure everybody knows this i'm gonna have to go with the minnesota wild (laughs) sorry to that one wild fan that listens to us i hope you're still here so you can listen to this but your team blows What a great question! Thank you. I've yeah, been meaning. That, I've been was, meaning to get into how much I can't stand the Winnipeg Jets. We'll on have this a whole episode dedicated to that in the off season. Just our least favorite teams and why. Hellebuck is definitely overrated as well. So I'm I'm with you on that one. And Saros is short. <laughs> Agreed. I guess on that note, um, we kind of glanced over the whole Tarasenko thing, but man, in the news this week, Vladimir Tarasenko coming out and saying. Team misman- yeah, team mismanaged my rehab, and I am done. What do you think, man? I really have to stop getting signed jerseys because, like, the year after I get a signed jersey from these players, they get traded. <laughs> First Oshi, now Tarasenko. I'm heartbroken. I love the guy to death. Great player. Uh, it's Russian sniper. Definitely hope he doesn't get traded, but if he does, hey, Vancouver. <laughs> Come to Vancouver. We like Russians. Schmidt, one for one. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> I mean, what are some good destinations for him to land in? Apparently, Vegas is one of them. Of course, fucking Vegas is one of Vegas them. Vegas somehow just can get anyone they want. Well, um, you got to reunite Petrangelo and Tarasenko, you know? Power play specialists. Yep. Uh, what's Tarasenko's contract look like? Seven and a half million for the next couple years. Ending in the 22-23 season. Okay, so two more years on the books, two more seasons. That's 
that's a decent contract for that player. I mean, it's it's not a steal by any means. It's a very accurate contract. You're you're getting what you're paying for with that. Well, he's a he's regressing a bit. He's injury prone. Doesn't have as much of a defensive game as he used to. Yeah, I feel like people put too much emphasis on injury prone because if he's injured, look at Cooch. Look what happens. You just get to spend that cap anyway. So uh, I, I wouldn't. Not read a too bad far. point. But like as far as destinations go, I have one in my mind. But I'm curious, where do you guys think the hill land or land? I have this very sad feeling that he's going to end up in Minnesota somehow, and I'm going to cry. I will cry myself to sleep. You know, you're you're not far off. I think he, there's a reasonable. Or there's reason to believe he could end up there. Well, you wonder if a team like um, someone like Arizona could put a package together for him. Yeah, Arizona seems to go after players like him, right? Yeah, they, look they weird, do. Like Kessel and Hall. Yeah. I can see them going after him, but just never doing anything. Well, yeah, the, I, yeah, no, I'm implying they wouldn't do anything, but like that mm-hmm. just seems like they they would, which which is weird because he he doesn't really help in the stage of rebuild that they're in. Helps sell or helps sell jerseys though. Yeah, hundred percent he does, and. Uh, Probably even some Arizona ones. <laughs> yeah. I'd buy one. <laughs> of course, of course you would. <laughs> um, Get them to sign it. Maybe they'll trade them back. So I, I kind of have... <laughs> <laughs> Just keep passing them around the league until he ends yeah. up where I want him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ends up in Washington. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go join Ovi. Yeah. For me, though, I, uh, I have kind of two teams that I could see him landing with. One more reasonable than the other. First one's L.A., they seem like they're making some moves to get a lot better. I could see them moving some pieces to try to fit Tarasenko into their squad. The other one's Florida. I think Florida this year, they just ran into a brick wall. If it wasn't for Tampa, they would have made another first round of problem. But between Tarasenko and Bobrovsky, you have a just an automatic Stanley Cup. <laughs> I'm calling yeah. it right now. <laughs> sure. Automatic. I don't know. I think that, but I think there's some some work that can be done to get him to Florida, but I think more realistically, I'd see him in LA. You know who else I, I didn't even think of? And this is a bit off the board. Calgary. Because... No. They, no he, way. Here's the thing. Calgary's already looking at maybe shelling out Goudreau. They're, they're looking at trading him anyway, right? I can see a reality where obviously they'll have to add to that a little bit, I think. It, but Goudreau's younger. He would... Um, he, he, he just needs a new home. And Tarasenko's asked to leave. I can see it happening. I don't want Goudreau in St. Louis. No, the, the, no. Well, Get the him out other of here. thing is like, why would Calgary make that trade? Like that, they're not really gaining anything. In my well, in what should be their opinion, they're a team that's falling apart. They didn't even make the freaking playoffs. This right, year. but look at the acquisitions they made last year. Shelled out big money to a goalie. Shelled out big money to Tanov. They, regardless of what we think, they seem to think that they're in win now mode. For whatever reason. And if they move out Goudreau, that's not going to help them win. Uh, and put Tarasenko on that lineup? Well, what I'm saying is, like, if they're trying to win, then they're probably going to move out Dubé or, like, prospects to try to get Tarasenko. They're not going to one-for-one one of their best players to bring in Tarasenko for two years. Because, okay. like, they're f- like they're falling apart. They're not, a, they're not a strong team. They need strong players. So maybe they could bring in Tarasenko, but I just don't see it happening. No, I, well, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm saying I, I see logic behind it. I do. No. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> you not. You fucking one words. If you put, what are you going to put, Gaudreau and Jaden Schwartz on the same line? Love it. It's the tiniest little line out there. Um, With Braden Shen centering them or like. Yeah, I don't see that trade working out for either. I just don't see Gaudreau fitting anywhere into St. Louis's lineup. They play a lot heavier style game, and he is just. Well, they can protect him. <laughs> Be kind of nice. All right, what? We're, we're bringing Steen? fat. We're bringing fat back. <laughs> Big rig. Yeah, three Wait, time Stanley <laughs> Cup. Yeah, three time <laughs> Cup champion. Fat Pat is coming yeah. back. You know what it's called when you get three Stanley Cups in a row, right? A dynasty. <laughs> a fat trick. Oh. <laughs> oh God. You get the Gordy Howe hat trick. Fatrick. <laughs> the Fat Patrick. All right, man. Uh, not a lot of people get a Fatrick. So, oh. <laughs> on that note, we are going to jump into break here. And when we come back, we will dig into the Montreal Tampa Bay series. Boy, is there a lot to unpack there. Oh, yeah. Catch you in a bit.
Uh, usually at this point in the show, we would run our fake sponsor of the week again, but uh, there was a bit of a tragedy in the hockey world this last week. Um, the hockey community and the Columbus Blue Jackets lost 24-year-old goaltender Mattis Kivlinix in a tragic accident involving fireworks. Our hearts go out to the friends, families, and fans of the netminer and... Uh, uh, it's a tragedy, and uh, our hearts go out to you guys. All right, everybody, welcome back from break. We are going to dive right into the Tampa Bay-Montreal series here and do a little quick recap of the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, so uh, I guess I was right. Tampa Bay won the Cup. I predicted that. Cheaters! <coughs> I also believe, and, and I got to give credit where credit is due, that means you officially won the inaugural Vancouver Boys Bracket Challenge. I did, yes. Thank you very the much. The bar was so low. <laughs> I cannot yeah. overstate that. Yeah, losing. <laughs> I was out in the first, yeah. like, before the first round of the playoffs was over. <laughs> you beat us with, like, a point five hundred. Like, yeah. you, yeah. man. Amen, brother. Appreciate it, boys. You are lucky we are so bad at this. <laughs> we should have made, like, a belt. <laughs> Let's get the WWE belt up in yeah. here. Jake gets it next yeah. year. Next year. Next year. Yeah, I'll have to pass the crown over to someone else because there's no way I'm winning this again. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know I won, but the whole the whole finals, I was just cheering against Tampa to win. It just feels so. I don't know. It almost feels like the playoffs didn't even really happen. It kind of does, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, because it's like, oh yeah, they won. Well, they probably should have. So. None of the story, all, all of the other stories just feel like beeline stories because Tampa just blew every team out that they played. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. I don't think Montreal making it to the finals being the 16th seed counts as a beeline story. That's a pretty incredible thing that we're going to be talking about for a long time. Yeah, especially considering they were 18th overall when they went into the playoffs. But what I'm saying is like history never remembers second place, you know? No. So they were carried by Nick Suzuki. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, that's the story here, right? And Carrie Price. Is, sorry, sorry. And Carrie Price. I was well, going to say, <laughs> and I Carey think Price. you're forgetting someone. Local boy, Carrie oh, Price. For fuck's sake. Yeah, practically my no, neighbor. I, I, I think the story here, though, was the youth of the Montreal Canadiens showing how much they can carry this team. Yeah. And Corey, Corey Perry. Like, he had a fucking killer offseason. Cole Caulfield finished the season with more playoff games played than regular season games played career. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. He should just retire now. Yeah, quit, quit. Hall of Fame career, right? (laughs) Yep. Yeah, no, that kid's going to be insane. I hope so. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. The game itself, though? Oh, man. Absolute snooze fest. Yeah. But, like, Tampa's Game 7 winning against the Islanders and Stanley Cup winning game were both one nothing games. This is kind of what I was talking about. Do you guys remember a couple weeks ago when I brought that up on the podcast about how many games in this, this season? I think it was, like, halfway through the third round. Ended like 3-2 or 2-1. Yeah, they've been low scoring. It's, it's just, it's so boring. Like, I watched I watched the game. I watched it from puck drop to, to the end of the game. And it just wasn't engaging. Like, I was getting distracted easily while I was trying to watch the game. Yeah, I, I mean, I got to say, like, I, I, I'm a big enough fan that, like, when I watch these games, like, I, I don't get bored, right? I, I have an appreciation for almost every little minuscule detail of a hockey game. But yeah, for for a, a Stanley Cup Finals game, this wasn't thrilling, right? It, it it was close. You could call it intense, but it, there wasn't enough. There wasn't enough octane in it for me. There really wasn't. And that's pretty sad, considering one of the teams was eighteen million dollars <laughs> over the cap. Yeah, very true. But with the way Carey Price played, I mean, it was going to take a lot to start piling goals past him especially in that final game where he was locked in. Yeah. And that, that, that's another thing too. I mean, Price just like re- really proved that, you, you know, he proved who he is. Any haters he had before, I mean, they're still going to hate on him, but man, did he earn all the validation in the world. Oh, yeah, like, just look at the shot totals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, he let in one goal in their elimination game, right? And that you, was you can, enough. You, you cannot fault a goalie for letting in one goal through 60 minutes. Yeah. You can't. And don't get me wrong. Vasilevsky is a great goalie, but Price was definitely the better goalie in the series. Vasilevsky was barely tested. Even the shots that he had, some were great. 
but most of them were do you find fairly kind of simple saves, and he had such a better team in front and, of him. And think about how, like, you're right, and I don't think anyone is going to disagree with you that Price was the better goalie. And Vasilevsky won the Conn Smythe. I was just going to say that. <laughs> like, I was going to say, so He what? literally won the playoff MVP, and he was out-goalied. So. But, I mean, his numbers were ridiculous, and that's that's pretty much what people yeah. look at. But he had fantastic numbers, but he had a great team in front of him. Yeah. So the numbers are kind of skewed. You put Vasilevsky in a net where he's getting peppered with shots. If you swap goaltenders on teams, the result of that finals is the same. Exactly. 100%. If, if, not, if not more lopsided. I was going to yeah. say, if not, it could have even maybe been a sweep. Uh, I'll hand it to Montreal, though. Everyone thought they were going to get swept in the first round. They never got swept through the playoffs, and they swept a team. Yeah. So, um, One thing I wanted to talk about, which is kind of adjacent to this whole thing, um, which you alluded to earlier. Actually, you didn't allude to it. You straight up said it. it. Was that Tampa was eighteen million dollars over the cap, right? Which we've we've talked about to death. The, the media has talked about to death. I thought I was but, pretty subtle when I brought it up. <laughs> Cheaters. <laughs> um, but there is one piece to this that uh, I didn't realize until well, just a few days ago, really. Not even hours ago, because I think it was yesterday. They, it, despite them winning the cup and it being the end of the year. And players coming off the books, they have like you know five to ten UFAs. They're still five million over the cap. They're they're still five million over the cap, despite the fact that Goodrow, uh, Coleman, Shen, uh, and a handful of other players are all off the books. <laughs> so that's yeah, pretty crazy. And here's the thing: I've almost changed my stance on it a little bit because I before was leading the charge that this is cheating; it shouldn't be allowed. The NHL has to do something. Till I found something out. A few years back, uh, an incident like this happened with another NHL team where they were way over the cap. And uh, at the annual GM meeting that happens at the end of every year where they kind of discuss, you know, if they're going to make any rule changes. They, they go over a lot of things. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning brought up that, hey, you know, this team is way over the cap. We should do something about it. And they decided to have a vote to see if they should change the salary cap rules and the... Uh, LTIR and cap recap yeah, and all yeah, that yeah. stuff. All 29 other teams, and th this was before Vegas was a team, all 29 teams voted to keep the rules the same, mm -hmm. except for the Tampa Bay Lightning, who voted to change it. So how ironic is it that this year they win the cup, maybe with an asterisk beside it, because they were over the cap? I don't know. I, I, fi I find it, I've changed my stance a little bit because of that. But, but it proves my point, and, and this is what I brought up before, is if the NHL doesn't do something about it, other teams will try it. Tampa Bay, I, I thought, was the first team that had really done this, but they're not. It's just the most glaring example because of how far over they were and that they won the Stanley Cup. But they actually brought this issue up before, wanted to change it, and the league disagreed with them. So I, I think every other NHL team, including Montreal, deserves it because they voted it down. But how far over the cap was that team really? Yeah, I think I think it was the Blackhawks in 2015, and they were like three or four over. There's a big difference between being three or four million over and Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos over. There is, but that proves my point. That they said, look, this shouldn't be allowed at all. The NHL said, it's fine. Don't worry about it. No, no one's going to abuse this rule. And they said, okay, hold my beer. <laughs> Fair enough. We're just going to yeah. bench our best players, go yeah. as far over the cap as we reasonably can, yeah. and then bring them all back. Right? You know what? It, it, it is cheating, in my opinion. It is. But it's cheating that they tried to blow the whistle on. No one listened. And so they said, okay, if they're going to let it go, we'd be stupid not to do this. Right? And, and I fully agree with that. Did you guys see Price's interview after the game where he took full possession of why they lost why they lost the uh, uh, series? Yeah, I, I didn't see it, but uh, I saw it on his face. I saw it on Weber's face. Yeah, you know, these guys these guys know, you know they've, they've been in the league long enough to know how hard it is to get there. and uh, I think they're both pretty aware that they there's a good chance they'll never get back. And I don't think you can blame either of those two players. God, no. Weber I mean, was throwing his body around those last few games, doing whatever yeah. he could do. Price Weber was, was trying to wrecking stop ball. everything. They just they didn't have the firepower, and they didn't have they didn't have what Tampa had. Kucherov was out there making it look like he hadn't played all year. 
He was skating around everyone. That's so crazy. I know, right? It it's like, like he, he had so much energy. Here. Yeah. But it is what it is. Congratulations to Tampa. Um, that's all I can say. Yeah. No, they, yeah, Pr- Price's interview, that, that was sad. And I, I got to hand it to Weber, too. As soon as he saw Price trying to take ownership for why they lost, Weber shut him down right away. They, it, and it, it's funny. You see that a lot of times when they're, they do separate interviews. And, you know, the interviewer will say to Weber, oh, hey, Carey Price 10 minutes ago said this. Yeah. But it almost seemed more heartfelt to see them sitting beside each other and have Price just talking to the mic, kind of ripping on himself a little bit. And then Weber just shutting him down and saying, no, you are not taking the blame for this. You did everything you could. We didn't play well enough in front of you. And uh, As that, a captain should. Exactly. Yeah. I was going to say that that's what any good captain would say, but... Man, it, it just it just boosts my respect for both of those guys. Definitely. And you could make the argument that if putting a C on a goalie wasn't <laughs> so weird or frowned yeah. upon, that mean, Carey, it's not weird. Well, that, you know, it's it, not. Weird. You know, I, I disagree Price though because I think both of those guys, like, yeah, Carey Price would be a good captain, but I think Weber's a fantastic. Oh, a hundred percent, absolutely. But I mean, like, if Weber wasn't there, or if Carey Price would have got the C before whether Weber even got there, yeah. Either one of them would make a fantastic captain. So to yeah. see both of them taking on that responsibility yeah. and whatnot, it, it's great. Yeah. Who, who was it before Weber? Like Pacioretty? Yeah. Yeah, it was Pacioretty. Right? Night Screw and day. Patches. <laughs> Night and day. He's not a captain. No, I don't even. I think he was just like the oldest starting player on the team. So that's why they gave him the. I don't think he was necessarily name. a bad captain either, though. Like, I don't think you could say that. Well, I think what we're saying is like you compare him to Weber. Weber yeah. just he and also the the big thing with the Montreal Canadiens is that they have this I want to call it like a mantra where it's like we are historic mm-hmm. we are you know they're like very this is the face of our of our of our brand yeah and Weber fits that to a T like they literally booted PK Subban because he was way too eccentric yeah and brought in Weber because he fit their brand better so. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I I don't think there's a more intense hockey market in the world than Montreal. I don't think there is. I know define intense, j- uh, passionate, maybe. Just there, there. You're not gonna find it. People will argue that it's Toronto. Uh, Jake, I'm sure, is gonna tell me that it's Nashville. Uh, <laughs> no, I was actually gonna say it was Florida. <laughs> <laughs> what fans? <laughs> I'm a Bobrovsky that fan. That's it. I love them <laughs> so much. Uh, no, but they, um, like I said, my, my mom went to a, a game in Montreal and said it was just crazy uh, that er- everyone's leaning forward the whole game. You have to lean forward to even see the ice because the people in front of you are going to be leaning. The, the whole stadium's like that. So the city just gets electric for every game. So um, I'm glad that they had this this uh, experience then. They deserve Because it. it's been a long, bloody time, and it probably will be another long, bloody time. Maybe not as long because you got to think of it. They went to the cup finals now, but they weren't supposed to. They're supposed to be in the early phases of like getting back to the top. Yeah. Right. They've cut. Look at this. One of their franchise players just came in at the end of this season. Yeah. But I'm thinking about like Dallas. Dallas from last year is very similar to what Montreal was this year. Like with their young players. Is Montreal not a little bit younger in their core than Dallas is? I think they are. I, I think they are too. But they have similar pieces. Right. Well, they both had Corey Perry. They both, had Corey, yeah. That's right. But I mean, like a str- strong goaltending, um, serviceable defense, young stars. The only big difference would be that last year Sagan and Ben were like two all-star players, where you couldn't really say Montreal has those pieces, but you could say like Gallagher and. Right, uh, but I, I would say that would fit that those even, same roles. That even more so proves my point that Ben and Sagan they're aging and they're if not regressing now they're about to. Yeah, but like I said, so are Gallagher and Toffoli. Gallagher into Foley, but then you look at Caulfield, you look at Suzuki, you look at Cockneyami, who I know again, was scratched, but like but Dallas had those players last year too. Those where they had like super um, young players that are going to yes. be their core. Yes. Well, they Heiskanen. Yeah. Who, who um, else? You had Rope Hints, but Rope Hints is not Nick no. Suzuki. Yeah. You don't. You don't have those. Like you don't have as good of pieces in Dallas. You have Robert Robertson, who looks good, but right. he wasn't there last year. Yeah, he broke out this year. Right. Um, you you do have a lot of young pieces, but other than on your back end, like he's getting in, you yeah. don't have the Suzukis and the Caulfields. You might you might now, but I, I think last year you didn't. That's what I mean. I, I think this experience that they got is the best thing that could have happened to this group 
because I think that this core, when they hit their prime, is strong enough to make another run at the cup. And I really think what that all hinges on is if at that time, what are we talking here? Maybe four years down the road, maybe five. If they can get a goalie, if either Price can still perform the way he did this year, which that far down the road, I don't know if he'll be able to, but if he can either do it or they can find a goalie that can do it, I think their offensive core at the very least will be strong enough to carry them back there again. So now we're going to jump into our inbox here real quick. We did have a question come from one of our longtime listeners, Adam, about uh, the com- the comments made by Nikita Kucherov after the uh, the game. I personally did not hear them or see that interview, so I will let Marcus jump into this because I think he's a little more versed on what was said. Yeah, I, I, I saw the quotes. Um, basically, he said that uh, he, he was mocking the Montreal fans for uh, celebrating like they won the cup after game four and uh, saying basically that they never had a chance and that their version of the finals was last round. Basically saying that it was inevitable that the Lightning would beat them. I, I didn't like it. I, I think that's uh, after you win the Stanley Cup, I don't think the first place your mind should go is to mock the other team and their fans. Like, I mean, of course they're going to get excited. They're in the finals, right? Any team is going to get excited about a win on home ice in overtime in the Stanley Cup finals. Yeah, I'd love to see how he would act if he was like the only good player on the Lightning rather than being surrounded by good players. I think he'd be a lot less cocky. Well, that was one of the things I found ironic was he's part of the reason why in many people's minds this year's Stanley Cup champions will have an asterisk beside them is because they had an advantage that no one else had. Mind you, I guess anyone could have had it, but they did and no one else did. Um, So I I found it really ironic that he was the one talking like, we're so much better than you, uh, when it's largely his contract that that made this possible, or the lack thereof. I also, and this was more the my, my focus of the quote, was him saying that Montreal was celebrating like they won the Stanley Cup. They were celebrating like super passionate, crazed hockey fans. They weren't supposed to be there. Not not only that. Also, as they should. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But on top of that, they only had 3,500 people in the building. So what that tells me is he got more electricity out of those 3,500 people than he got out of the 20,000 people at his home rink. And I, I think that says a lot more good than bad about the Montreal Canadiens fan base. Uh, I was going to say, at least Montreal has long, long-time fans, whereas Tampa fans probably showed up last year when they won the Stanley Cup. So, Kucherov, I know you've probably played in empty stadiums your whole career, but to have long-term fans, maybe one day you'll uh, you'll learn what, what that's about. Yeah, if you get traded. Yeah. <laughs> Or if Stamkos regresses and Hedman regresses and Vasilevsky regresses to the point where they have to lean on him more. But they don't because they're all there. They all want to be there. They all have team-friendly contracts. It just, it, the list goes on. Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't like what he said. I, I, thought, uh, I thought it was classless, and I thought it uh, actually kind of showed a side of him that I didn't really know was there. Next in the inbox, we have a question regarding the Detroit Red Wings. What are your thoughts on the Red Wings' next five years with Iserman at the helm? So far, he seems like a very competent GM. I, I like him. I mean, he picked up Troy Stetcher, so obviously, he, <laughs> unlike Jim Benning, he knows what he's doing. No, I, I think he's made some good moves. Uh, they made Dylan Larkin the captain at the beginning of this year, I believe. They look like they have a solid future coming together. And it's one that we don't hear about a lot because they're an American team on the in the East. But... Uh, we, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what the future has for them. I think they could be a really strong team. Yeah, I'm of the same mindset. Uh, they are moving out a few players that I, or there's been talks that they're going to move out a few players that I'm kind of surprised because they've been staples on the team for quite a while. I think their pickup of J- Jakob Verana was just such an awesome move. I think Verona has been awesome there since they picked him up. And I think he's a great fit for the team, the brand. And I think the team's going to do a lot more moving forward because of that pickup. Um, But that being said, I think there's also a lot riding on their most recent drafts. 
They have been picking pretty high in the draft for the last few years. And if those picks don't pan out the way they should, um, then we're going to see some a few years more of them being kind of in the in the bottom of the league. Yeah, like they did pick up uh, Philip Zadina the one year, very high. Yep. Um, he's still yet to really come out as a top-tier player like people had pegged him to, but yeah. he's still really young, and you never know what could happen with him. So I, uh, I'm i looking forward to uh, to see what Detroit has to bring to the table in the next few years. Moritz Sider, another one, which they went off the board to get. Very true. Yeah, if those if those picks pan out for them, then they could go back to being the dynasty for 30 years that they used to be. Being at the top of the league and just never, never, ever leaving the top of the league. Well, didn't they go almost 20 years straight without missing the playoffs? I think it was more than 20 yeah, years. Yeah. It was like 25 or something like that. Yeah. Can you imagine being good? <laughs> I can't. For, but like for that long? Yeah. It's crazy. And also they weren't just good. They were winning cups. Like they won a cup in the late 90s. And there was back another one in there somewhere. The yeah, yeah, that's right. It was like 97, 98. Yep. And then they won another one in 08. And then they were competitive all the way Went up until... Went to the finals again the next year. Yeah. It's just crazy yeah. how long they were good for. It, it's crazy to me because I look at us. Every time we make a cup run, we immediately, right afterwards, are awful for a decade, at least. Seriously. Yeah. 82, we go to the finals. We're terrible until like the early 90s. 94, we go to the finals. We're terrible until maybe 2005 or so when the West Coast Express was in. Still couldn't pass the second round. Got terrible again. Went to the finals in 2011, which brings us to now, where yeah. we are terrible in 2021. Oh, I think terrible's a bit strong. Also, well, last year we were terrible. Yeah, we finished below Ottawa. We were terrible. Hell yeah! But I mean, come on. Last year's an anomaly, man. The whole team got COVID. It's pretty it, unlucky. It is. It and is. The, it, the whole last year for the Canucks is. In my opinion, a wash. Just the whole season was such a weird season. Uh, another question here from Brent. Will Crosby end his career in Pittsburgh? Yes. Oh, yeah, 100%. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I see. I think the question is more, will Ovechkin end his career in, in Washington yeah. than will Crosby end his in, in Pittsburgh? Well, I think Ovechkin ends his in the KHL anyway. It sounds like he's already said he's going to do that. Um, he uh, uh, And I, I said before, because he kind of announced that now, or he said in a, a media report that he wanted to play for his hometown team in, in Russia. Uh, but before that, I said I could see it, because if he gets anywhere near Gretzky's record and Washington decides, you know what, we have to move on, we can't keep this guy around forever, I could have seen him going to another team, even on cheap contracts, and just almost pulling a Yarmir Yager, just keep going until you break all the records. But... Um, no, with him saying that he's going to go back to the KHL, I think he will finish his NHL career with Washington. I think he's still good enough to keep playing in the NHL, though, for at least next year, probably the year after, like for a few more Oh, years. yeah, we're not seeing him depart yeah. anytime soon. Yeah. But as far as his career goes, yeah. All right, we have another question here from Hannah. It's a hypothetical question. Better all-time Canuck, Nasland or Pedersen at the end of Pedersen's career? I mean, that's hard to say. Yeah, it's hard to say. So early in Pedersen's career, Nasland was, you know, arguably, well, not even arguably, he was probably the best trade the Canucks have ever made. They traded He's up. one of the best trades in NHL history. Exactly, yeah. He was the captain of the team. Um, never captained them to a Stanley Cup appearance, though. No, got to the second round, yeah. and I think twice was eliminated by the Stanley Cup champions in the playoffs, just yeah. it happened to happen earlier. Exactly, but still, like, he... he Naslin was such a great player for the Canucks and leader and, and face in the city. Uh, Pedersen has a lot still to do before he can get to that point. But if you're looking at projection just based off of points, it signs would point to Pedersen statistically being better. But but again, that that's it's way too tough to call with Naslin having the tenure he did here and Pedersen only being about to go into his third NHL season. I mean, it's 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 way too hard to tell. Like you guys said, Naslin had such a great career. Pedersen's having a great start to his career, but uh, I love I would love to see where Pedersen takes this. And uh, who knows? In fifteen years, if we're still rolling on this podcast, maybe we'll talk about it. <laughs> maybe we'll have him on. <laughs> exactly. This podcast is going to go a lot longer than fifteen years. Trust me. <laughs> All right, Vancouver boys for life. Yep. <laughs> Better shootout player. 
Jonathan Taser, TJ Oshie. Is that even a question? Oh, yeah. TJ Oshie. Is, is that even a question? Come on, Hannah. TJ Oshie is one of the best shootout players of all time. And he might just happen to be my favorite NHL player <laughs> of all time, but. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, like, like, Jonathan Taves definitely has shootout pedigree, but in terms of, like, TJ Oshie, <laughs> I would pick TJ Oshie. Yeah. I would pick TJ Oshie blindfolded. That, over that's, that, you know what? The more you think about it, though, it, it is a good question. I'd say yeah. Taves is Taves is comparable, but I would, still, it's got. I would be take Kane, Kane over Taves. Kane just gets more media attention. The question was Taves, though, wasn't it? I know, but I'm just yeah. saying I would pick Kane over Taves. Oh God, yeah. I think but Kane, I would still Kane, pick Kane Oshie. versus Oshie is is more comparable, but still taking Oshie. Like, t- again, Taves is still a great shooter. Oh, yeah. I didn't put that together that it was Taves that they were asking yeah. about. I was yeah. thinking Kane in my head just because when I think shootout, I think yeah. Patrick Kane. Well, the thing with Taves though is Taves is just such a clutch player. Yeah, oh, yeah. the guy is just he has he has a gear that no one else has. But yeah. o- but Oshie in a, when it comes to a shootout, he has so many options. He can snipe. He can yeah. put a five hole. The he goalie can has dangle. no idea what's going on. He, he changes it up every time. He does the same thing over and over. Oh, you know, that's true. Should Darcy Tucker be in the Hall of Fame? I think. Okay, I think there should be a Hall of Fame for like grinders and fighters and like fourth line guys. And it should be called like the Hall of Meat. <laughs> you know, like it shouldn't be the Hall of Fame. <laughs> the Hall, the hall of, of meat. fucking meatheads. <laughs> like oh, they don't it. deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, but they deserve to have their names somewhere. You know what I mean? This next question comes from a longtime listener, the Devil. Ooh, welcome back. He asks, "What do you think the NHL needs to do to become more marketable?" Because right now. They're sitting right at the bottom of the list when it comes to sports. Yeah, I mean, you look at the NBA, you look at the NFL, they have pretty close to a monopoly on sports because, you know, they're just pumped so much better. That's a really hard question to answer because I think so much of the marketability of a sport is the fans' interest in the sport itself. You know, like if you watch a basketball player and you are envious of what they can do, you want to do that. You can see yourself doing that. You start playing at a young age. It's what you want to do. That's one thing. But a kid growing up in New Mexico, hard to see him watching a guy skate around on the ice and go, yeah, I want to do that. So I think they have, you know, the northern states to Canada is pretty pretty much their audience, whereas basketball and football is pretty much all of North America. And I mean, yeah, they do have some reach in Europe, not as much as they could get. But that's the other thing, like games played here the middle of the night in Europe. Or 8 a.m. in the morning, right? So it's pretty hard for them to expand their their audience and make themselves more marketable. Um, but I say the big thing is, well, it, it's been a topic of conversation lately, but protecting their stars more. You know, anytime you have a star like Nikita Kucherov sitting out all season, you're going to lose some, some eyes for sure. I think Gary Bettman's already trying to increase the market for the NHL by it keeping... Better be, that's his job. Well, <laughs> no, by keeping... The Stanley Cup in the States. He's mm-hmm. clearly... He's done a good job of that. Yeah, he's clearly paying off the refs <laughs> to make <laughs> false penalties or calls to help the American teams win. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, it, it's funny because growing up, I didn't realize the NHL had a marketing problem like when I was a kid because in Canada, their marketing is actually pretty good like most commercials you'll see run during the daytime on any sports channel like rogers whoever's running it usually features something about hockey or the nhl um so it's more an american issue uh so it's hard for me to speak to as someone who grew up in vancouver bc um but what i will say the one thing and i don't know if this counts as marketing but the one thing that they could do to the games that would make them in my opinion more exciting or more watchable um, is if you guys watch the NBC feed versus the Sportsnet feed or the Canadian feed, um, what you will notice is that NBC cranks the crowd volume from inside the stadium. You can barely hear the commentators speaking uh, over top of the crowds. And it's crazy. It makes you feel like you're in the game, especially if you're in a house that has surround sound or a good sound bar. You feel like you're part of that crowd. Um, whereas in Canada, they have the, the crowd mics turned down so low that it sounds like it's not an exciting atmosphere. It sounds like it wouldn't be fun to be there. And I think that's how you sell the game is you need to make it seem like you have an entertaining market. It's something worth cheering about, getting excited about getting into. 
And when you have the crowd mics that low and it sounds like the arenas, it sounds like a morgue in there. It just sounds silent. Why would that make anyone watching think, yeah, I want to be part of that. Debrusque to the Oilers. Good fit, question mark? You know what? That might be the most compelling place I've heard anyone suggest. Yeah. Because I think Debrusque is definitely on his way out of Boston. Edmonton could be a good fit, especially if Nuge leaves. Yeah. I I see it. That's a a very good point. Good take. Thank you. Suzuki for Team Canada. Love it. I don't know. Little little early on that. Love it. You're not far off. You're not far off, but I don't know if he's ready. You got to think about the competition he has on that roster. That that this these are the most elite NHL or hockey players in the world that are competing for. A this spot is the roster. hardest team to make. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you see Demko and Di Pietro being another Schneider and Luongo situation? I definitely see Demko coming into his own. I think he's going to be insane. Haven't seen enough out of Di Pietro yet, but Demko. I think a lot of people around the league underrate this guy and they don't realize how good he's going to be i think that there are different tiers i think luongo and schneider were similar in terms of like what their their ceiling well maybe not ceiling but they're they're at the time in their prime no no no, at the time right because luongo's prime he was way better than when schneider was at his prime what i'm saying is though is when schneider was at his prime in vancouver to where luongo was it was comparable yeah but uh, Demko and Di Pietro are kind of going to follow the same curve in terms of how good they are and then how they end up. And I think that Demko will be way better than where Di Pietro will be I in agree. time. So I think they're, because they're going to be comparable across the course of their career, that's why. By the way, I just realized this. If you think UC Soros isn't the best because he's too short, you realize Di Pietro is like five foot eight. Right? I, yeah, I was thinking about that too. I was like, if Di Pietro was taller, <laughs> just two he, he would be better. He might but, need to be three inches taller, but yeah. still. Um, hey Jake, what time is it? Hold on, let me check my. Oh, it looks like it's time for, for Tyler's surprise, surprise headline. Oh, boys, here we go. It'll make you laugh, it'll make you cry, it might make you have many different kids with many different wives. It's Tyler's surprise headline. Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> I'm so glad you just played that in my ear. Oh, I'm so glad I put my me moaning in my own ears. All right. Um, this week, we are going to Pennsylvania. Okay. Pennsylvania, the great state. Yeah, we are leaving Florida for the week. Oh, no. teams there too. We will yep. be back, hopefully. Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, what would you guys do? So... <laughs> The police break up exorcism in the lumber aisle of a U.S. Home Depot. <laughs> you know how you know how a couple weeks ago when we guessed that story was going to be like the Midwest, yeah. I would have never guessed this no. was in Pennsylvania. No. <laughs> well, so, just just a word of warning to anyone building a deck in Pennsylvania: <laughs> your lumber might be possessed by a demon. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and if that is so, you can blame your local police department for breaking up the exorcism. <laughs> but no, two uh, two men rolled into the uh, the Home Depot there yeah. to save the trees, and they were all in their black robes and stuff, and they uh, started right. performing an exorcism in the middle of the Home Depot aisle. <laughs> Are lumber prices that much? Yeah. I, like, I know that it's expensive. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, man. It's satanically high prices. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That, well, I don't even know where to go with that. Yeah. Did, what, did they, were, were they performing it on a person or literally just no. on the lumber? No, on the trees. <laughs> <laughs> the dead trees. <laughs> Yeah. So they thought there was a pedestrian. Wow. A so so yeah, they, they they these guys went into a hardware store, went up to the lumber and just started throwing holy water on it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. The humans oh, were escorted out of the building. Did you say the humans? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, they couldn't but, get the demon down? <laughs> the, but the demon no. was fine. It went back into the wood. But yeah, back into the wood. But it was unclear if the alleged evil spirits were escorted back to hell or not. 
So oh you know, my god! Wow. That's what the story says. Oh Holy Who god. knows? Wow, that's, that's uh, fantastic. What a story, Thank man! Thank you. Tyler Surprise Headline never disappoints. Your your source for news with Tyler Surprise Headline. <laughs> yeah, in case yeah, for all of your Pennsylvania rural Pennsylvania hardware store <laughs> news, get you your first. Oh god! <laughs> you know what? I think there's never been a better way to wrap up an episode than with that. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> all right, boys. Um, before we wrap up, just for all our listeners, remember you can find us at Vancouver Boys Podcast on TikTok and Instagram. And for any email inquiries, you can find us at VancouverBoysHockey at gmail.com. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. See you on the next one. Peace.